Welcome to How to Build a Village. I am so excited to welcome June Angelides, who is a banker turned entrepreneur turned early stage tech investor. She was awarded an MBE in 2020 for services to women in technology. June was born in London and raised in Lagos and joined Samos Investments in 2018, investing in high growth European businesses. Prior to that, she started the first child-friendly coding school in the UK, Mums in Tech, which taught 250 women to code in three years. She's also held roles in the venture debt team and early stage banking team at Silicon Valley Bank. Welcome, June. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, and I realized you and I met about four years ago because I and my daughter went to the screening you organized of Hidden Figures, which was so fantastic. And I was blown away oh. by how you put that together and it was such an inspiring event and such a wonderful film as well. That was great. Oh, I mean, it's hard to believe that was a couple of years ago now. I remember that feeling of it actually coming to life. It was one of those dream things that I really wanted to do. I heard about that movie and I just thought, gosh, I want everyone to see this and I want them to bring their young girls. And it was, it was amazing to be able to grab incredible sponsors and get them on that mission. And I'm so glad so many people were inspired as a result of it. And that was great. Just that that film about these African-American women who work for NASA. So, so inspiring. And then it's been inspiring to see your career progress over those past few years. So if you could please talk a bit about how you founded Mums in Tech. Yeah. So Mums in Tech was uh, probably something I never thought I was ever going to do. I was on my second maternity leave and I guess it was one of those moments where I, I was sitting down feeding my two month old at the time. And I just thought to myself, what am I going to do different this year? And how am I going to return to the workplace? Because I was very conscious that after having my first child, when I went back, I had really low confidence and just felt really lost. I didn't know where I fitted in. So initially I was trying to see if we just wanted to keep my brain active, but I wanted to see if I could build an app. And I tried to hire a developer and very quickly realized that I wanted to understand a bit more about all the terminology that they were using because I just didn't understand it. APIs and HTML, CSS, JavaScript, it just was all gibberish to me. So, um, you know, it started from there, me wanting to learn about coding and very quickly realizing that um, a, a lot of the coding schools were either too expensive or if there were free resources, you know, the classes were at night and it's not practical when you've, you've got two little ones. So mm -hmm. I decided that I would try and solve for this. And that's how Mums in Tech sort of started being dreamt up. I wanted a space where moms could bring their little ones and learn about how you go from an idea to an app. So what it, it ended up becoming was, you know, partnering with organizations like Marks and Spencer, ThoughtWorks. ThoughtWorks was actually the first um, company to say, you have eight weeks to use our meeting rooms. And, um, and I managed to, to get some volunteers to agree to, you know, teach different parts of the course. So it, it you know, it was, it was one of those things that if you told me I would have been a founder of a coding school for moms, I would have said, how? <laughs> but it, it happened. I think anyone can do anything that they 
finds you. That's that's what it's shown me. And there's a lot of great people in the world that will help you if you ask for help. That's amazing to me that, that you're able to do that with a new baby. And I mean, <laughs> because of course it was a maternity leave, but obviously you were you were busy because you had um, one child and then and and, and a newborn. How were how you able to, to juggle all of that? Well, for for those who who had newborns, you don't sleep a lot. <laughs> It, it was literally when I was feeding Ivy, I would be on the computer thinking about, you know, how I was going to make this work. I, I was looking up curriculums and, and figuring out what, how I could ad- adapt what was available. Luckily, thanks to open source, there was a lot of um, available materials. So I, I really hacked it together in the beginning. And, you know, you, you email people when, when you get a chance, when she was napping, little little babies sleep a lot as well so whenever she would nap even though I was meant to be napping I uh, (laughs) would use that time to quickly make phone calls and speak to people and you know you know convince them to to help me because it it really was a lot of you know putting that pride aside and asking for help a lot of people who were busy convincing them that this was worth supporting and I take her around if I had to go meet them I go with my buggy up to all these amazing corporates and sit down with them and explain my mission and help them see why it was important that they they were on this journey with me and I think that was very key having her with me at those meetings because for me it was the lit, it was that litmus test of seeing how they were going to behave around her it was going to be an indication of how they would treat the 15 or so women that I would bring to their organization to learn about coding um, so we, we made it work I think when, when you are determined to do something, you, you find a way, you lean into that village. I have to give my husband credit. He, he obviously really you know, plays a big role in, in the house and, and, and you know, we, we, we help each other out. I think that's important to acknowledge and, and family and friends. I, I had help um, with the kids, which, which I'm so grateful for. And I think it's so important we, we don't sort of take the martyr route and feel we have to do it all by ourselves. I think, you know, that's why they say it takes a village. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I love how you've created this village. And I also love how you've reinvented yourself. You've, you've worn many different hats, continue to wear many different hats and also making London and the tech and entrepreneur industry, your, your village has been amazing. How were you able to do that? Because yet you moved here to London when you were 17 how were you able to create a village here? Moving it, what some would say is a, is a tricky age. You know, people always say, tell me as a mom, oh, never move with teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> a tricky age, even if you've lived there, you're wherever you are your whole life. So how, how were you able to do that and how hard was it? Yeah, I mean, moving over at 17, it was scary. I'd never, ever really been away from my mom because my mom raised me um, in, in Lagos. And we'd never been apart for maybe more than two weeks when she'd maybe go on a work trip somewhere. So leaving her was was scary. I was lucky to be able to to live with with family in in London when I moved over. But it's not the same. You sort of have to figure out who you are in, in a new culture, although we'd often visit the UK on summer holidays. I never lived here as a completely different way of life and suddenly had to learn to be independent and I'd say it took time maybe for a long time you know I was just very head down in my books I was very academic when I came over did really well at my A-levels and then went to UCL 
again, I think I was still figuring out who I was, but I think something probably changed around university years, probably year two, when I realized a lot of my friends were going to go down the investment banking route. That was the point where I knew at least what was important to me in terms of work-life balance. And I knew that I wasn't going to fit into that particular culture of working from, I don't know, 4 a.m. in the morning. So it just felt so on, you know, unrealistic to, yeah. for me to do that to my body. It just didn't feel right. So I, I opted out of going down the banking route. And even when I joined Silicon Valley Bank, which was quite a scary step again, going into banking after not sort of going down that traditional route earlier on. And I moved from Thomson Reuters to SVB in 2011 and didn't know anything about technology and um, venture capital. So I had to, again, train my brain just to, first of all, step up and, and really try try and learn as much as I could and show up but I think I was still confining myself to what I thought I ought to be and I think the real June hadn't come out yet it wasn't until I had Ivy and started Bombs and Tech I think that was when I fully evolved as it were I feel that was my butterfly stage where I, I made that decision to stop getting in my own way and allow myself to really take risks I think I've been a bit scared of taking risks earlier just for fear of failure fear of not achieving what people expect me to achieve and I think it happens to a lot of us that imposter syndrome it's it's so real but I think ever since then I sort of accepted that it was up to me to try I had to at least try if I wanted to to get far and I don't know how I did it. But it's it's very interesting. I look back and I think that fear just really left me and, and I was prepared to do what it took to make this a reality. I was prepared to work hard. And I think when you have that fire from within, that motivation, you're motivating yourself. It completely changes everything. And people feel that as well. I think it's infectious when, when you really believe in something through and through and you, and you, and I see this every day when I speak to founders, they are so focused and the, the, the passion with which they talk about their ideas. It's hard not to go on, want to go on that journey with them. So I think that's really served me as I've gone on these career evolutions and had to come into an industry where I didn't have those contacts I you know when I back in 2015 I think I I didn't have a Twitter account even I didn't know anyone on Twitter I had barely used my LinkedIn you know I was in a job and I didn't really think about growing my personal brand outside of the organization it never occurred to me that I would have to do that you know you just fix up your CV when you're ready for the new role and you go approach a recruiter that's how it always been done I never thought oh well job might come find me but if my profile wasn't out there that was never going to really happen and it wasn't until I realized that it's okay to reach out and start to get to know people outside of my network it was when I needed to reach out to mentors to get on Mums in Tech. And I started researching all these incredible women. First was Jacqueline de Rojas. I remember reaching out to her after reading a a blog about her. I started getting very curious about women in tech and and, um, I sent her a LinkedIn message and she got back to me and we, we started exchanging emails and I followed her on Twitter. I set up an account. I started engaging on Twitter 
and eventually felt brave to start sharing my ideas or retweeting things that I thought were important. But it, it's baby steps. It took a little while to get comfortable with finding my voice and having that identity. And I'd say the role model was being, it was completely accidental. I never saw myself as a role model, but as a result of the work I was doing, suddenly realized people wanted to write about mums and tech and about my journey. And then um, I was very conscious of, of what I said. And I, I, you know, you realize that when you have that platform, you really have to use it wisely. And it, what is your advice for, for finding that, that path, that thing that really excites you, you know, that, that new identity, you know, if someone get, getting out of your own way and shedding that imposter syndrome, what, what would your advice be to someone to, to figure out what it is that really excites them and to actually pursue it? Yeah. And and I wonder if, you know, that it all goes back to being willing to try and, and not being afraid. I mean, when it comes to your passion, I feel like you'll know, you know, that thing that gets you excited, you know, that thing you can't stop thinking about. I don't think you can fake it. You can't go and invent it in, as it were. It has to really come from a place within. So I think giving your space, you know, yourself that headspace to reflect you know, pregnancy did that for me naturally, but I think we're all capable of carving out time to think. It's so easy to fill up our diaries doing things. And I think a lot of us were guilty of that pre-pandemic. We would just do, 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 and not really give ourselves that space to reflect on, are we even doing the things that we love? Is, you know, are they aligned to our values? And where would we like to spend more time and who would we like to spend more time with? You you know, they say, surround yourself with people like you or birds of the same feather flock together and and all those sayings, there is some sort of element of truth in them. I like to challenge myself. And one thing I, you know, I read a book recently called thinking in bets. And one thing she says is, surround yourself with people who don't think like you it's important that you don't end up in sort of groupthink. and I've been very conscious of that recently especially on Twitter I want to make sure that I'm thinking outside the box but also aware of different perspectives and that's and it goes back down to diversity of thought who's sitting around all these tables where big decisions are being made um, started watching coded bias and it makes you really think about who's coming up with these algorithms who's writing the code and if there is no representation then we're always going to get what we've always had and things won't ever improve and it will will never be representative so I want to make sure that I I am also challenging myself just not to surround myself with people who will sort of say yes you're doing a great job who's going to challenge me and, and I think yeah to, to diverge a bit from your question I think that's that's how I sort of think about this tell me again the name of that book you said what um thinking it's thinking in bets by annie duke Mm -hmm. and i i i feel like that was one of the best books i've read recently just she's a professional uh, poker player oh okay she is absolutely brilliant highly recommend it good so so what other books or digital shows or or others would you recommend that are inspiring yeah, another book that really challenged my way of thinking was Mindset by Carol Dweck. 
absolutely loved it and I and I think I read it at the right time I feel like with a lot of these resources and books you kind of have to be in, in this sort of mindset where you're, you're receptive to to change because a lot of what what they say will challenge your existing way of thinking and that thing about growth mindset is something that really resonated with me I'm at my best when I'm learning something new, which is why venture capital is a perfect job for me because I am constantly learning and obviously you know, being surrounded by technologists you know, where there's constant innovation is just something that I, I love. I love hearing about these ideas. I love to see how technology has the ability to change the way we live, to solve big problems. I love that ability to just dream it up. And, and I think goes back to, to growth mindset I I believe I can change and I can always improve there's always room and I have to create that space and allow myself to believe that I can learn anything and, and how do you so as a venture capitalist how do you find companies projects to invest in what what do you look for yeah well in terms of how we find them either come to us or I, I scour the web, you know, whether it be Twitter or, I mean, there's those loads of accelerators that have demo days. And I, I sit on a few um, judging panels where I, 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 get, I get founders pitching to me on a monthly and quarterly basis. So there's a lot of great innovation happening, a lot of great founders who are making great ideas come to life. And, and in terms of what we're looking for, we're, we're really looking for companies that will solve problems at scale. And I think, you know, it, it can't be just sort of a hobbyist type idea. It has to be something that will go global. And for me, I'm looking for someone who's really passionate and can attract the best team and will will really make it a reality, has that ability to execute. But you're looking for traits when you speak to them. What have they done in the past that makes them the best person to to build this? And, and you can tell when someone's done their homework and um, and they've really spent hours obsessing over an idea and they've really thought through all the eventualities. You really want to understand how are they going to weather all the bumps along the way? And, and I think that's really important because it's not always going to be smooth. But do you have that grit to carry on even when it's all all sort of things are being thrown your way and yeah that that troubleshooting abilities is super key and of course because you've been you've worn both hats haven't you I mean (laughs) the investor and the the entrepreneur and 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 everything I mean where where do you see your your career going over the next several years and what other projects do you have in the pipeline yes a good question I, I definitely see myself probably doing more um you know in the, in the charity side I sort of always see myself either doing something with the UN as an, an ambassador alongside you know in investing but doing more in Africa I, I am very conscious that I want to give back to to Nigeria see you know I lived there for 17 years mm-hmm. but my, my heart will always be there and I'm very conscious of the amount of inequality especially on the income front that there is and and I think that there's still a lot to do on the education especially with kids uh, I want to I want to do a bit more organizations there so we'll see watch the space but, but that's that's something that's very important to me 
And speaking of where, where your heart is, where do you see as home now, having lived for years in, in both places? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Obviously, L- London is home because my, my husband and three kids are here. But Lagos will always have a special place in my heart. My mom still lives in Lagos in London. She's sort of between the two. And my grandma's out there and, and pretty much most of my extended family is there. So we go there every other year. And in terms of food, I always eat Nigerian food. <laughs> so it's, it's an interesting one. I feel like I'm... Um, yeah, for a global citizen. And, and I've got family in the States as well. I, I think wherever family is, is home for me. Whereabouts in the States? In LA. I've got aunts in LA. So, uh, I, lo- I love going there to visit. Oh, gosh, yeah, wonderful place. What's your favorite Nigerian dish? Ooh, jollof rice, 100%. It's a nice, it's called party rice. And every single party you go to, you get jollof rice. It's like a red, um, you know, almost like a paella. But um, so good, so good. Oh, nice. And how have you managed with the with the pandemic and the lockdown and the travel restrictions? You know, it's hard when you have family outside of the Yeah, area. yeah, it really hit us last year because obviously we were meant to go to, to Disneyland. The kids were really looking forward to it. And I mean, I'm not a great flyer myself. However, I, I like it when I get there. <laughs> but I, I think just this... Um, this feeling of, of being locked in our houses has been quite intense. And then on top of it, working alongside homeschooling, mm. I think has really hit a lot of mums, especially. It turns out, and there is a report to, to back this up, that most of the homeschooling did fall on mothers, mm. which meant that effectively you're doing two jobs and then and then running a house, which, you know, it's still... It's not necessarily 50-50 in every household. So it was quite a lot. And there were many women who requested to be furloughed just because they couldn't do it. It's It's been a very tough time on the mental health front for a lot of people. For us, so gratefully, obviously, my, my husband really does um, a lot around the house, which is amazing. And the kids, I think they've really shown a lot of resilience. You know, my eldest, especially, who's over, you know, throughout the year, it's, it's become easier for him to sort of start his homeschooling, which made made it a bit easier for me to focus on my middle middle daughter. And my youngest wasn't able to go to school, but nanny couldn't come, so I was sort of juggling both of them. And I I really had to make sure that at the end of it, I took time out for myself. Whether it was listening to podcasts, which have been a lifesaver, and Audible. It's it's been my escape, and and I've also been very conscious of just how much time I spend on Zoom because I think in the beginning I was overcompensating and having probably way too many Zoom calls because it felt like I ought to. However, that just eventually started to take a toll. So I am um, I'm very conscious now of making sure I balance it out, and I'm hoping that at some point we have a bit more of a hybrid way of working I think you know this has had some positives in in that companies that initially said flexible working wouldn't work for them or people couldn't work from home I think that argument's officially out the window so hopefully this should make it easier for for them to attract talent for more women caregivers to apply for roles that perhaps they may not have thought could be flexible and um, I, I think it's it's going to be 
an important conversation that we carry on as you know what elements of the way we've worked in this time do we carry on as we sort of make that shift back to quote unquote um back to work well, that's, that's fantastic. Well, I'm so impressed with everything you've done. And it's amazing how you lift up other female entrepreneurs, how you invest in them. I'm just a, such a fan of yours. So congratulations oh, again on the end. Thank that's you. <laughs> and what a, what a bright spot in a dark year. You know, was- I know. I never saw that coming. Well, because you know as well, Mums in Tech was officially um, paused in at the end of 2017, just before I had my third child. So three years on, I never expected I'd be getting an MBE for that. And when the email came through, I thought it was a scam. <laughs> I, thought, I thought there's there's no way this is for me. Someone's playing a trick on me. And I almost didn't reply. I I, I thought it wasn't for me. I, I did a bit of Nancy Drew work and I called them <laughs> I called them up to verify and apparently a lot of people called them because they don't believe it either. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> they're like, and what they said when they called where they're like, yeah, this is real. It's real. <laughs> like I better reply now. <laughs> it's really, you, you, you taught so many people, but you have more than 250 people how to, how to code. And that's amazing. And you think of the projects that, that those mothers went on to do thanks to the skills that you helped them learn. That's amazing. That, you know, that's what, you know, I'm most proud of that they will carry on that movement and, and they have, it, it feels like we're, you know, we have, obviously haven't been able to, to get together in person in a while, but we're all very much connected. We follow each other's journeys and I love seeing the exciting things that they get up to. A lot of them have moved into tech, have started their own companies. And, and I just, I think it's, it's so beautiful to see that, you know, had had they not believed in themselves, mm. you know, that that potentially would not have happened. But I, I love that they all cheered each other on. I think that that was probably the most special thing, that sense of community. And um, yeah, we continue to support each other. And, and if you recall, my kids did a camp sponsored by Moms in Tech. Um, yes. they, had, they like made those little robots and the robots <laughs> raced. And now my daughter just um, signed on to do computing as a GCSE topic, which wow. know, is there aren't enough girls yeah. doing it for the amount we need in the in the workforce who need those skills. So I largely credit that that camp because we, we looked and looked and there oh. weren't many out there camps that taught those skills that were not exorbitantly expensive you know it was um it was really really great for them to do that when they did oh so I'm so pleased more than those women but also this next generation yay <laughs> launching companies and doing who knows what else so I love that I absolutely love it and I think it's it's um just that courage to and confidence to be able to help the kids sort of explore technology for me I, I learned so much and I try and pass it on to the kids and help steer them and you know help help them you know discover tech little things like tech will save us and and there's there's so many resources well <laughs> wonderful well thank you so much for your time and um we're just staying in touch and hearing what else you're up to amazing thank you so much for having me thank you for joining us on this episode of how to build a village you can find out more about june on juneangelides.com